think we're good. Good morning, everyone. We're working our way through 2 Corinthians, and it is the most autobiographical of Paul's letters. We learn as we work through the letter a lot about how Paul thinks and feels. In this morning's passage, we'll learn about what he suffered because of his apostolic responsibilities, and we'll also try to understand not only what he suffered, but why. Uh, starting in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, here's what he writes. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say we were too weak for that. Um, when Paul writes about these things, somebody making slaves or devouring them, taking advantage of them, putting on airs or striking in them in the face. He's not speaking about things that might happen. He's speaking about things that are happening. These rival spiritual authorities are very, are very powerful, but the power they wield is the power of coercion. They are very overt aggressive and assertive in their authority. Paul, as an apostle, never acted this way. When he was a Pharisee, he acted this way, but never as an apostle. Uh, Paul speaks of the false teacher's ministry, and again, the descriptors he uses, he accuses them of making slaves of the Corinthians devouring them, being wolfish in their influence, taking advantage of them, putting on airs. They elevated themselves above the Corinthians and struck them in the face. So literally, they, when they felt the need to, they would come up to people and whack them across the face. Um, he describes their ministry as, interestingly enough, spiritually abusive. Spiritual abuse is something that Paul identifies was happening to the Corinthians, and it's something that can happen. When those who are in positions of spiritual influence don't use their influence to serve but to serve themselves, they become spiritually abusive. True spiritual authority exists in those who use their authority not to elevate themselves above those they serve, but to stoop to serve. We saw this last time when James writes about the wisdom from above and the wisdom from below. The wisdom that is natural, earthly, demonic, versus the wisdom that is heavenly. 
and you can tell what kind of wisdom is innervating a spiritual leader by the posture that leader has with respect to those they serve. If the wisdom is from below, if they're innervated by an earthly wisdom, what will happen, that leader will want to ascend and place themselves over the people, like the rivals in Corinth are doing. They put on airs, they throw their weight around, they slap people if they need to. And what Paul will indicate, that he that is an indication of abusive spiritual leadership. When the wisdom is from above, then that individual will not assert themselves over the people they serve, but will, will serve them, well, like Jesus did who washed their feet. He didn't use his authority to be overbearing. He used his authority to serve. And what we saw last week, those who are representatives of Christ then serve as he served. In the kingdom, you don't ascend into greatness. You descend into greatness. Interestingly enough, and I've seen this on some occasions, um, the Corinthians actually kind of like, at some level, these more powerful spiritual authorities. Uh, indicated that somebody at some point um, said, you know, sometimes I need a punch in the nose spiritually. I need somebody to get in my face. And Paul would disagree that that's not the kind of leadership or authority that is actually good for us. And uh, the Corinthians, though, have put up with foolish boasting of these rivals who did boast about their authority, how well they spoke, their pedigree. And Paul, with tongue-in-cheek, it's really this, if you noticed it, what Paul's writing is dripping with sarcasm. You know, he says, to my shame, I admit we were too weak for that. I mean, we were too weak to slap you across the face or put on airs or make slaves of you or devour you. Uh, but he does then go in to speak about a little boasting. Listen to what Bob boasts about, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 21. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. Well, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through 
many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Paul goes on to a litany. You might call these the perils of Paul. He goes into detail in order to fight fire with fire. He doesn't like doing this. He doesn't like calling attention to himself. He doesn't like kind of centering on what he's experienced. It feels foolishness to him. It feels foolish. But the reason he has to do it is because if these believers turn from him, they'll turn from darkness. So he has to fight fire with fire and at least confront these false teachers and saying about why he should be considered more than they should. He said he received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. This was a Jewish punishment. Local synagogues throughout the Roman Empire, they served as the convening places for Jewish courts. So if you as a Jew lived in the Roman Empire, the place that Jewish justice would be meted out is the synagogue. It's not just a place where you learn. It's the place, if you did something wrong, the place where you went to church is also the place where you were charged with Jewish crimes. And it was the place that you were punished. According to the rabbis, the punishment was administered by a strap of three kind of hide thongs, and you'd be hit two-thirds of the beating, the 40 minus one, which is 39 lashes. You'd get two-thirds on the back and a third on the front. Um, the form of punishment, interestingly, indicates that the synagogue leaders considered Paul a wayward brother rather than somebody who was an apostate. Let me tell you what I mean. There's a rabbi said, when he is scourged, then he is your brother. What Paul did, he allowed the synagogue to administer this punishment in order to maintain his Jewish connections. What they probably would have preferred is that Paul would say, no, I'm not going to let you beat me. At such a time, he would have been expelled from the synagogues and would not have been able to go there when he entered a city. He would have been persona non grata. What Paul is indicating, he said, no, go ahead. I'll take the beating that you want to give me because I know that that makes me a brother. And when I go to another city, I will be able to enter the synagogue. So the reason Paul accepted the beatings is he wanted to continue to have access to tell not only Jews, not only Gentiles, but Jews about the new covenant message. It was a way that he continued to have viability among them, which is amazing. Um, on three occasions, he was beaten with rods. This is a Roman punishment that takes things like broom handles, thick. And he had that type of punishment. There was also a time when a mob uh, threw him in a pit and they stoned him and they thought he was dead, but he ended up um, coming back to not, he wasn't dead. He ended up reviving and 
again, with he, Paul, if he took off his shirt, I think that's what he means when he says elsewhere, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Um, and he didn't only suffer physically. At the point he, in verse 28, he goes on to talk about, strangely enough, the psychological stress and anxiety that caring for churches created for him. This is what he said in verse 28. Apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. The sense of responsibility for the welfare of the churches weighed on Paul. The word it uses to describe the feeling, the weight of that on his back, Paul talks about anxiety. He experienced anxiety, which you think about another verse Jesus talked about in Matthew 6. Therefore, don't, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. We might think, oh, wait, wait, Paul, why are you anxious? You know, didn't Jesus say we're not supposed to be anxious? It's interesting that um, not being anxious about food and drink and clothing wasn't a basis to be able to have a worry-free life. Paul didn't worry about himself, but he did worry about others. And his spiritual leadership created a sense of weight on him. It was something burdensome. It was a burden he carried. And Jesus carried the same burden. So those who are true spiritual leaders, they stoop to serve, and the weight of the spiritual welfare of those they serve weighs down on them. Um, so we've heard about what happened to Paul. The question, though, is raised, why? Why the suffering? Why does he have to go through these perils? And um, he gives us an answer. Actually, there's a couple of answers. In 2 Timothy 1, 11 and 12, what he says is this, listen to this, it's a very, very short passage. Of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Paul's suffering was directly related to the responsibility given to him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. But that still doesn't really answer the question, does it? Okay, so why was he suffering? Because he's an apostle. Well, but why does an apostle need to suffer? Why would God allow that? Is Does God cause it? Does God allow it? We actually saw some things sometime back when we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to remind us. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Listen to what it says. God who said... Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It talks about a treasure, and the treasure is the message of new covenant glory. It's to see the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's the treasure. That The treasure is the awareness that God is not operating by old covenant guidelines. He is operating by new covenant guidelines. And as we've said, to the degree we understand that, that we, when we think of God, we think of him speaking not commandments to us, but commitments. As the reality that he speaks commitments to us, as it becomes more known to us, it liberates us. Um, so it is the way that we're changed. God entrusted this new covenant awareness. He, he entrusted the message to jars of clay. He, so again, God entrusts new covenant words, spirit words, specifically to Jews, those who were the disciples of Jesus, and Paul, and Galilean Jews, who were the first ones to believe that Christ was the Messiah. God entrusted new covenant words, treasure words to them, in order that they may transmit them to us. God could have proclaimed the message in an unembodied fashion, speaking it from the clouds, but he did not. He entrusts, and still I believe does so, entrusted the message to individuals. And those individuals to whom he entrusted the message were treated as jars of clay. In verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 4, it describes, um, Paul describes what it was like to be one to and through whom God transmitted good news to Gentiles. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. God transports the treasure of the gospel, and he did so via jars of clay. And the point is, the jars became battered in the process, afflicted, but not restricted, baffled, but not to the point of despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, knocked down, but not terminated. In verse 11, and we'll close with this, Paul writes this, we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Again, to understand 
what's happening here. We have to define the pronouns. Who is the us and who is the you? The us and the you in this passage are treated very differently. The us, they get handed over to death. They are persecuted, punished, beaten. The us in the context is Paul, the disciples of Jesus, and Galilean Jews, who were the first responders to the message. That's the us. They are the jars of clay. And they are given the new covenant message so that us, and the us are Gentiles, so that we can hear through them the good news. Um, the gift, and I'll end with this, the gift of the new covenant is completely free. The gift of the new covenant is free. The postage and handling was very costly. Let me pray for us. Father, I don't know why you do what you do, but what it's, it says here is that the reason Paul suffered was so that we could hear good news. That the gift is free, but the postage was costly. And I believe that those who have borne the weight, the anxiety, and, and Paul and those, especially in those days, they will hear well done. They will receive on the far side the acknowledgement of the price they paid so that we could hear good news. Thank you for equipping them to give good news that we can still hear about. In Jesus' name, amen.